What's the greatest obstacle or challenge facing you on your path to becoming financially free? For most of us, it's the time it takes to even focus on it. We're so busy with our lives that we don't even know where to start. Come join Joey and I and the team in Nashville, Tennessee, August 9th through the 11th, as we break down the different ways that you can become financially free and introduce you to different strategies and speakers who can help you on that first step. You have questions? This event is designed to give you the answers, to take action fast, to turn the decades it's taken us to learn this and turn them into days. Don't hesitate. Go to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash live. And don't forget to use the promo code podcast to get a deep discount. When talking about borrowing money from banks as compared to borrowing money from an insurance policy, using the infinite banking concept, Joey, it sometimes leaves people scratching their heads, yep. not knowing which way to go. I, we had a, a conversation a second ago. Let's let's talk about that. I think this is a great uh, prelude to this podcast episode. Yeah, I mean, it, it is actually one of our better attended inner circle meetings. And the questions really all kind of... Um, centered around using mortgages or real estate or equity as opposed to using a policy. And in one particular case, I'll, I'll kind of lay out the situation so that people can to know what's going on here. Have a, have a um, person in their circle who has been leasing to own their house. They owe about 110 on the, on the house and it's worth about 200. And the question was, hey, we've got a decent payment on this house. Don't really want to rock the boat, but is it make sense for us to finance this difference at this point and use some of that equity for something else? And so what, what are we going to go through on that? Well, we, we went through and tried to determine if we got a bank loan, right, what would be the cost? It's always compared to what, right? A bank loan would, would be on a $110,000 mortgage, about 470 something dollars principal and interest. Right. And then we determined that there was $200,000 of value. So what if the person could get a bank loan at 80%? So $160,000, that made the monthly payment in the mid-700s. Well, if you look at the example, it was, okay, well, if we did that and we got forty dollars to $50,000 of cash in our pocket and our monthly payment netted about the same as what she was paying in the rent-to-own, the lease-to-own payment, as it would if she had 80% loan to value and was able to take that other 40 to 50, could she be in a better position? Right. And, you know, this person actually has been through our short-term rental class and has been able to leverage that information into at least one unit. Now she's looked to expand. So we said, well, what would you do with 40 to 50 grand? And she knows the numbers well enough to know that that would more than pay if she could liberate those dollars from the equity stuck in her house and literally put them into short-term rentals, she would more than cover her monthly payment back on this mortgage. These are questions that when we, we talk about, should we use infinite banking? Should we use a bank? These are questions that come on. And today's episode, we're going to dive into how, how uh, do we decipher which ones are good loans uh, to to use a bank for, maybe better term is which ones are bankable, and then when are there opportunities to use infinite banking that can make a deal or break a deal? 
And how do we get to financial freedom faster? If we're answering that question every time, it becomes so much clearer. All right. If you want to hear more about this episode, you want to listen to the full Q&A that we did after this, as well as be a part of the weekly um, question and answer live podcast and the discussion with other people doing infinite banking, actually practicing it, join our inner circle. Go to whatswhatwallstreet.com forward slash inner circle. Now, Joey, let's belly up. Welcome to the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast, your guide to understanding how to get out of the Wall Street rat race and start your own mailbox money lifestyle. Now, don't let these handsome Southern draws fool you. These financial minds are teaching our country to enhance savings, increase cash flow, and create passive income, all without the help of Wall Street. Are you ready to break through? Now, here are your hosts, Russ Morgan and Joey Murray. Welcome into the IBC Roundtable, where each week we go deep down a rabbit hole, if you will, and that rabbit hole is going to get exposed today as we discuss your favorite topic, the infinite banking concept. I'm your host, Russ, the Idea Guy Morgan. I'm sitting around the table with the best coaches in the infinite banking community. And to my right, the wascally rabbit, the bugs money of finance, Mr. Italian Stallion, Joey Murray. What's up, Joey? That was so brutal, and I, I never want to hear that again. I, I never want to hear it again. Well, I here's the easiest way not to ever hear that again is don't write your name in a signature on an email that says Joey the Bugs Money Murray. <laughs> Trust me, it will never happen again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so excited to talk about is there a right time? to use a bank versus infinite banking. And I, I want to like get to the, the, uh, the man I like to refer to as the Indiana Jones of finance, Mr. Downtown Ernie Brown. How are you today, Ernie? Hey Russ, I am wheelie wheelie well. <laughs> I'm glad you are. I'm excited. I'm excited to keep sharing this. I, this deserve, joy I deserve it with everyone. And across the table from us, we've got the resident pilot, the man who can get you home safely. Mark the Gooch Harguchi. What's up, Mark? Oh, doing great, guys, because I didn't make that left turn at Albuquerque. <laughs> exactly. Good. <laughs> Grateful for you to get back home. Yeah, good trip to Colorado last week. Excellent trip. Excellent trip. 80 degrees in sunshine. I actually got some vitamin D. It was awesome. Yes. And by the way, I hear vitamin D is the cure for the COVID virus out there. Did anybody hear that? Get yes. out in the sunshine, man. Like that soak well. that stuff up, but it's good for you. Let's do it. Better drink some milk. All right. Speaking of milk, you know, milk makes you strong and I don't know anybody stronger than Mr. Incredible. And we've got the man with a million dollar smile, Mr. Incredible himself, JD Hill. What's up, JD? Hey, glad to be here. Um, I got to get some ferns or something for my background. Uh, it's, it's a little bare. So I threw a mirror up and, uh, Ernie, politely commented so on it and um he said that's an odd place for a mirror <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> nobody puts baby in the corner that's something what ernie was saying that's right that's right so so well that's there because now i can see my uh my three-year-old when he's walking up behind me so <laughs> exactly good like you've got him pinpointed all right let's let's talk about the fact that we're sometimes there is a need or a reason for a bank loan now 
Nelson, if he was here, he'd slap me in the mouth saying that. Yeah, right? you would you would be disowned. He would not like that conversation. But I want to talk about this because you know the whole point of infinite banking in our eyes is building a system that allows us to be in control of our money. Getting ourselves in the position of access to cash allows us to get to financial freedom quicker. True? 100%. All right. Now, there's times, though, when we may decide to use a bank. So, Ern, I'm going to let you go first. Give me top of mind, number one reason on the board that you can think of that why someone might want to use a bank as compared to taking a insurance policy loan against their infinite banking policy. The thing that comes to mind for me is when Nelson did say in his book that it would take that average person a little over 20 years to, to get to a point where all of his financing needs could be met through a policy. And, uh, or he's talking about income, could all, all a person's income could go into that. Uh, so I think early on, a person may only have a limited amount of cash that they want to keep on hand to protect themselves. And so, uh, might need just because of their position to take a bank loan. All right. Reason number one. Number one. All right. JD, g- give me your number one reason. Why would someone m- need the use of a bank or might choose to use a bank as compared to their infinite banking policy? Um, I mean, the, I think the, the crux of that question is if, if I can choose, right, to use the bank or my IBC policy, like, I just think that that's such a unique place to be in. And so for me, it's just, it's the, it's, it's giving me the ability to evaluate what, what makes the most sense. Um, meaning could I get uh, a better, better terms at the bank? Um, or like, is, is my, is my, is, is my, uh, my capital being deployed somewhere else? I just, I, I think for me, it's, it's, uh, it comes down to probably the number one reason is, could I get better terms at the bank? better terms when you say terms can i are you saying rate are you saying duration what are you saying uh yeah i would I, more specifically i apologize yeah it's uh it's a better rate can i get a better rate of interest right at the at the bank okay i'm with you how about you mark what what's your what's your thought process on that what one of the first ones that comes up for me is am i tying up a large sum of money for a long period of time Take, for example, a home mortgage. To me, that one is, and and Ernie's point was spot on and and JD's touching on it too, is where am I in my life cycle? What's going on? How many of us have a couple hundred thousand dollars to go plop down into a house? Well, you may not have that. So if I could go leverage what the bank is offering, lock in a fixed rate for 30 years and just punt that ball down range, and not tie up all of my cash in it. To me, that is, uh, as, as you guys have heard me say so many times, that's a clean kill. That's an easy one for me. Yeah. Well, I'm here, let's go to that. When you're talking about the mortgage or paying off a debt or something like that, if you've never taken our course, paying off debt like a boss, you should for many reasons. But one is that you get access to our priority payoff guy. And in that priority payoff guy, so if I was thinking about, you know, should I borrow money? from the insurance company against the cash values that I have, or should I go to the bank and do it? You can actually use the priority payoff guide to help you understand that decision, right? Most of the time people would use it to figure out how to pay off a debt, but in order to get one, like, cause it's going to tell you, Joey, 
is this an efficient debt, right? Is this something that you should be cautious about or not? And I think is what you would find is a lot of times when you do longer terms, like a mortgage, for instance, it tends to fall in that safer category. It's one of those that we would deem more efficient on, on that process. So I probably would want to use the bank's terms as long as uh, I felt confident in it. Now, Joey, you were in the mortgage industry for 150 years, it seemed like. Uh, you know, you may have a different opinion on that. Well, I, I would say, number one, I like your idea that you're you're using that priority pay guide to reverse engineer getting, obtaining some sort of leverage. And I think that's a really cool way to use it. But the other thing, the other reason that I would say you would use a bank loan is if you are really just in, environmentally unconscious and you wanted to deplete the national forests in, in any way possible by the amount of paperwork that you wanted to sign. Um, it, it's absurd. And, uh, and also if you wanted to waste as much possible time, uh, going through and getting nickel and dime to death on every piece of, you know, financial information you could ever have. Well, you don't think it's okay if this is like a, a national adoptive mortgage guy month or something like that, <laughs> you know, they, those guys got to make money too, right? <laughs> Absolutely. No, but, but I would actually lean more towards what JD was talking about. And that's thinking about being wise about if we finance everything that we buy, as Nelson would say in the book and what we believe, then it's a matter of optimizing our financial life around the vehicles available to us. And so there's going to be times when I will finance a car through a credit union at 2% because I could use my policy over here and to leverage to create a 15, 20 or a hundred percent return into something else because I can specifically get the financing for that car easily, but maybe the investment that I'm looking to do would be almost impossible to obtain the same finance. Right. So, what, so what you're getting into, I think, is is the deal that you're looking at, is it bankable, right? That's the term. Great question. That the the officers down at the bank like to use. Is this a bankable deal, right? Can, can I borrow money from a bank for my land flipping business? Maybe not, right? But can I borrow money to buy a car? Exactly. Sure. Right. So what, what would be potential deals that would be non-bankable or maybe are bankable either way, which kind of let's, let's talk about that because I think that's the crux behind a lot of this is sometimes the more advanced you are, the further along you are in the infinite banking world, you've accumulated cash. You start to consider those sort of options. Yeah. I, I would say, uh, first of all, if you're looking to buy 100 unicorns, <laughs> <laughs> that you can sell online products uh, to sell. It's not really that bankable. Is um, it not bankable because it doesn't make a profit or is it just such a magical thing people can't get their arms around it? I think it's a little bit of both, Russ. Uh, <laughs> you know, to be honest, it's hard for people to comprehend the magic that happens at 100unicorns.com. Uh, this section of the show brought to you by 100unicorns.com. Yeah, be the second person to buy a product this, <laughs> this month. <laughs> Ernie, the, the I don't remember your question, but the thing that <laughs> comes to mind is the movie Founder. Have you guys seen that? Yeah, the, the Ray Kroc McDonald's. What exactly. about the dog? <laughs> uh, Sounder. I'm sorry. No. Yeah, go ahead. It, it reminds me of that movie which uh, I watched. Uh, I forget how long ago. 
and I don't even know if I'd recommend it. It was kind of sad, yeah. but amazing story, right? Of McDonald's. And there's a scene where he's going into the bank. He, he figures out he can take this franchising model of the speedy system and implement this across the country, right? He's talking about uh, in every town, there's the, the town hall, there's the church steeple, and he wants there to be the golden arches. Right. And he's taking that to the bank, this idea, and he wants them to give him a loan. He, and they won't do it because of his primary experience, his past experience in there, the movie tells us. And, and so that's what it makes me think about. His journey to financial freedom, in a sense, was limited by his ability to get a loan from a bank. And that is one of the most impressive companies that's ever been built. Well, and think about that situation too, like how big of an opportunity that was. And clearly we know it now, right? I mean, I'm assuming he thought it at the time, but hindsight, he, but he yeah. still didn't know 100%. Clearly it was going to be the, you know, multi-trillion billion dollar company it is, right? The, I just throw out numbers and, and letters and, and names. That's for, what for dads money. do though. They, they just, yeah, just throw out statistics. Yeah. 99% of all statistics are wrong, but we'll, we'll just pretend that 1% that I just said was true. But the point of that is, wouldn't it have been a shame if he had taken recently taken all his cash and bought his house, right? Because be honest, back in those days, getting a mortgage on your house was very rare. Like most people, didn't get mortgages on house. They didn't, they didn't like have car loans the same way that we have them today. They bought those things with cash. Typically that was just the way that world was. So you think about just imagine if he would have had the opportunity to jump on it and he missed it. He missed the, the idea. Ernie, you've gotten a little fuzzy on our screen here. We'll have to fix that. That's a technical difficulty, but wouldn't that be a real pain? Can you imagine? It would be painful, almost like watching Ernie's picture right now. Well, for everybody who's not watching live, stay with us. Keep focused here. But that think about that. If you use some, use money that could have been bankable, right? You could have got a loan for a car, couldn't get a loan for a house, but you'd use that money for that. And then this opportunity, this amazing opportunity that creates generational wealth passes you by because you don't have any cash for it. What other deals? Can you think about Mark that would fall into that maybe aren't bankable uh, or things that we should consider before using? Where I would go on that one, I'm I'm, I'm going to punt this one a little bit farther down range is you know whether you use a bank today or you use cash today or you you decide that setting up an IBC policy is appropriate. Imagine you've now fast forwarded down range. And you come to a point where, for whatever reason, you are now short on funds in retirement. Are you going to be able to go to the bank and say, hey, I'd really like a loan for some cash because I'm in retirement and I need some money? And yeah, they're, they're not they're not really doing that these yeah, days. Exactly. And and so now you're you're in a point where you really are in a non non-bankable scenario. However, we know that if you do decide to go and get a properly structured policy, are there any strings attached with how you borrow that money? Are there any requirements as to what it's for? And the answer is no, because it's a fully collateralized. You've been building up this pot and now you've got that collateral. So that's one of those, those, those scary ones downrange where you know if, if you've made this plan and you've gone this road and all of a sudden, whoops, you're short, there's no, there's no loans for retirement. Mm. But if you've got a properly structured policy, 
you've got your your safe, secure storage facility that you can start borrowing against. Okay. I've heard enough about infinite banking. I'm pretty sure it's a fit for me and my family, Russ. How do I get started? Let's take that pretty sure and make it darn sure. The reason you do that is that you get clarity, Joe. You need to get on a 15-minute call with one of our coaches at westwellwallstreet.com forward slash free call. Then you'll know where you're starting from and where you're headed. And only then can you implement the infinite banking process. All right. So go to wealthwaltwallstreet.com forward slash free call to get that 15 minute conversation, gain clarity. But now let's jump back into today's episode. Well, I think you got to, in all these situations, you got to take in and count what you already mentioned before are the terms, right? What are, what's the flexibility that we have in the deal? Because sometimes it's not about rate. Like if you're a brand new business owner and and you have to go to the bank and borrow money and they're going to dictate a super high payment to you in month one when you have no income, how are you going to float that note? Like that could be detrimental to your ability to get the business off the ground. So if you had access to cash that you could avoid doing that, that would be the way to go. I, I think about, I had some clients of mine that were dentists and they built a building, Joey, that they um, were going to occupy 85% of it themselves and the other 15% they were going to rent out. And the mortgage on this building was like $4,500. Yeah. And they went through the Small Business Association, the SBA loan, to get it. And the, the, the going rent for their 85%, for their dental office, should have been close to $8,500. And then they were going to rent out the space for $2,000, the other, that little small part that was available to them. So they were going to have like almost $10,000 a month coming in and rent. And, but the SBA said, by the way, you cannot charge more rent than you have a mortgage payment on this building. <laughs> what? Exactly. They just made up some stupid rule. That that limited how much they could charge themselves in rent. Now that's a that's a, a real issue because at some point in time they're going to sell the dental practice, and if they're listening to our podcast, they're going to want to own that building because they want to keep getting the passive income of the building. Well, can you imagine, um, JD, the the uh, dentist who's buying the practice? They looks down and looking through all the line items and they see rent forty five hundred dollars. And then they go to, you know, if they've got anybody helping them buy the building uh, or buy the uh, practice, they're going to make sure that they negotiate at least a probably a three to five year um, lease terms on the space to secure their their position. Right. And they're like, oh, yeah, OK, yeah. The, the new rent is eighty five hundred dollars. Like, Whoa, <laughs> no, 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 because that would change the profitability of the practice significantly, wouldn't it? Add an extra four thousand dollars a month on there. No, I'm not doing that. Well, I mean, technically, it's because we had this SBA loan for so many years, and they they forced us to only charge ourselves forty five hundred. It should have been eighty five hundred. So we need you to pay eighty five hundred. Like, can you imagine that conversation going down in the deal? So, those are one of those examples. If you could avoid that, if you have the ability, you have the cash, then you do it. I want to add this to it too. Like, I think it's beautiful for us to be talking about this because all the different perspectives that we all have and the stories that we have of people who have been in these very unique positions, this is not a black and white answer as much as some of the financial talking heads that are out there make it so. 
they're like, oh, well, all debt is bad, pay it all off, blah, blah, blah. But if you're in a position where you're going to go, let's say, purchase a vehicle and your income is instable at best, okay, let's say you are starting a business or you've been in a high commission type job and the, the future is somewhat unknown and you have the ability to go get a bank loan or get a policy loan and you just feel much more comfortable having a policy loan because it doesn't require a, a set amount every single month for you to pay back, you should take your policy loan. Mm -hmm. I don't care if you, you know, could get a bank loan and it might even be a better rate. So to the point you're making is the terms don't always dictate whether this is a good deal or not. Sometimes there is that emotional piece that you have to factor in. And again, I don't think you can be black or white with it. So I think that's, that's something to consider when we're talking about the difference between bank loans and policy loans. All right. Before we get into this part, because I want to talk about IBC, but I would be remiss for those who are listening to this who haven't had a chance to take advantage of the Q&A that happens every single week after this podcast. Because to me, a lot of these discussions are very individual. We can't sit here and give generic advice and assume that's going to apply to everyone. There are shows that do that. I would say those are um, malpractice <laughs> in their approach. You can't give a one-size-fits-all advice. None of these things should be taken as, oh, that's what I should go do. No, you should apply it to your specific situation. Your situation will be different than someone else's, and you need to understand all the ongoing. Well, that's the reason we have the Q&A that happens after this. Not only do we go deeper, we cover some of the things that, you know, the analytical parts, we pull out spreadsheets from time to time, the things that doesn't make sense to do when you're riding down the road listening to a podcast. So we make it for that audience. But you have a chance to join. If you go to wealthwaltwallstreet.com forward slash inner circle, not only can you participate in the ongoing ones, the ones that will come up in the future, but you have the ability to go to the archives and watch some of these ones that we have been doing, you're like, man, that's super interesting. I would love to hear those questions that people were asking about that. I'd love to see that spreadsheet that JD built that shows why paying cash is so stinking expensive compared to using IBC when we were doing investing. And that's what the inner circle is all about. So take advantage of that. We do have a seven day free trial. You can jump in there and go back and watch this. So let's move to the easy part. I think this is the easy part, right? Some we were we were asking why someone should use a bank, and that's hard for us, right? Because our our normal instinct is to not use the bank. So let's talk about that. When would be the right time to use IBC? I'm going to go ahead and jump in and say for those uh, real estate investors in particular, who or it could be anything where your cash flow is not coming in immediately from whatever that investment is. Okay, so fill in the blank, fix and flip houses. You're going to buy a house, you're going to repair it, you're going to turn it down the road, and you're going to uh, replenish your funds from that. If you don't have a structured required payment every single month, how much stress does that take off of you as a flipper to not have to like quickly do this? I mean, I even think it has an unseen effect on people. Like for instance, do I get the wrong contractor in because he's available right now and the really good one is six months out or four months out or whatever the case may be? Um, that could really affect your profit margins if he ends up just jacking up the project. Or, I mean, if you're in a rental situation, you buy a rental and you're trying to get it rented, 
And just because you need that cash flow right away and you get the wrong tenant in it. Now that could be a drastic effect on your cash flow long term as well. So I think if you have this ability to not have those structure payments, it really puts you in the driver's seat, more control, and gives you more peace of mind about moving forward the investment. JD, Mark, you want to weigh in on that? Yeah, I was uh, completely agreed. As somebody who does fix and flips, um, having that flexibility of not being obligated to need to make any type of repayment whatsoever is extremely helpful and takes away so much unnecessary stress. Um, and so I can tell you just from personal experience, that was super helpful uh, for, for us and is super helpful for us as, as we do our fix and flips and we continue to expand uh, because we can use capital for longer as well, which is uh, also really beneficial. Now, one thing real quick, not to go back, but to go back, to go forward, something that isn't bankable, which I think is, is, is I think we don't talk about enough is what if you fell on hard times in the past and you filed bankruptcy? That person is not bankable to a bank, right? Yeah. But if, but if, but if I'm a good saver and I have a policy, right, I can bank on myself, right? And I can use my own dollars in that situation where a bank wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't touch me. But that's a good point. There are people that have had situations, had a business fail and you know, Hey, they, they're rebounding and they are good stewards of money. Maybe the business that they were in either failed because they didn't, you know, they didn't run it well, or maybe an environment, you know, situation. I mean, there's a lot of businesses that failed last year, right. That, that was being very successful up until that point. And, but yet they've got cash. So you're right. They can't borrow money from a bank. What other uh, thoughts could you have Ernie on when would be the right time to use IBC? Maybe to zoom out the conversation of, well, should I use a bank loan or my insurance policy? And, and really, if it, if it comes down to, well, I could go either way. Let's be in, in that scenario. Because the reality is, for somebody who's on the road to financial freedom, is building assets, uh, aside from previous failures, right? Not looking bankable to a bank, but for the majority, people looking good, they can go get loans from the banks they want to. They got cash and insurance policies, relatively successful. Zooming out, I could go either way. If you really are concerned about other people just beyond yourself, not participating in the banking's system by taking loans and fueling the bank industry's ability to exploit this fractional reserve banking system, I think is really loving other people. Because you take that loan, you deposit it into a bank account, let's say it's another bank, that bank is going to take those deposits and lend it out to somebody else. And they only have to keep a fraction of those reserves. And that's fueling a bad system. And it always makes me think back to that movie, it's a wonderful life and the bank run. Mm -hmm. And it's unfortunate that the hero in the movie is the banker or the bank helper. You know, it's sad, but that's the reality. People are coming in wanting access to cash and they can't get it because the tables have turned. Jo Joey, I feel like somewhere in heaven right now, there's somebody going, yes. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta <laughs> say, you gotta say what Nelson loved. Man, he, 100%. Would he not if be? If you going, have a bank loan, you are part of the problem. Would he? I mean, that's what he would he tell you. If he heard Ernie saying that right now, he'd taken a sip of coffee or at least got the coffee cup to his lips and would have been like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Mark, you got any thoughts on that? 
I like, um, I just had this experience where I uh, got into uh, a loan with somebody, um, fronted them some cash. They went and started a deal and we were waiting for the deal to close so that we could then repay the loan and divvy up the profits as we had contracted. Well, the time that it took from the initiation until the actual conclusion, I had zero payments required of me the entire time. I didn't have anybody calling me or any statement every month saying, by the way, Mark, here's your interest. Don't forget to make your payment. It just floated similar to the fix and flip, similar to you know other endeavors where you, you've put an investment portion in and now you're waiting for the tail end return. And I had that flexibility of not needing to make any structured payments along the way so that now when the windfall comes, we replenish the funds, we pay off the accrued interest and just walk away with the profit, which is pretty phenomenal and a lot of stress that could have come along with, you know, waiting for something to close is all of a sudden alleviated because that's not on the table. Mm. Joey, I think about last week, we got a, a text message from our Clint, our short-term rental operator. And he says, Hey guys, or maybe it was a week before, I can't remember, you know, time flies when you have fun. He says, hey guys, the the complex that we're at um, with these other 10 units, just let me know they got three, three bedroom units that just got finished renovating and they're, they're about to release them and they want to know, do we want them? Now, knowing that tornadoes just came through Birmingham and wiped out 300 plus homes, we knew that there's some families out there that most likely were going to be looking for a place to stay. And we're thinking in know, the same school zone, in the same way. exact school zones. I mean, these, these apartments are probably within a mile of where everything went down. And we thought, man, you know, that would make sense, but we had to act like we had to say yes. Then being able to that then day. immediately then turn around and put furniture in there, design all the, you know, it was going to require about 50 grand out of us to get those two units up and running. Well, where do you get access to cash that fast? I can't go to the bank and go borrow money that fast. That doesn't happen that way. By the way, they don't bank on these. They're not going to bank. This on is that. not a bankable deal. I mean, because what are they it's banking? Furniture. What are the, it's furniture, right? I mean, that, that deal doesn't happen. And, and so we literally said, yes, go. And yesterday, even before these units are official on our site, we signed a six-month lease for $4,100 a month. Would you like to know what the rent is on this place? $1,550 a month. Think of the opportunity cost of not having access to cash. Every single month, for six months, that place is booked. That's amazing. And I, I, I'm waiting for the other one that we got. I'm just going to be hacked. We didn't get all three, right? <laughs> um, but that's the thing is that you 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 miss these opportunities. And I, I will, I'm going to go on the opposite end of this. I'm going to show you the example here because we were talking, Ernie, you were looking to buy a house and you were, and, and had an example where you tried to buy one and somebody came in with cash over the top of you. Well, I was selling my lake house last summer and I had three offers, two at asking price. One was cash. Which one did I go with? Cash. I went with the cash. Why did I go with the cash? 
Because there's less less challenge in that. It's just, hey, it is what it is. He's ready to move. Right. I know how the banking world works, right? Somebody says they're approved until they're not, right? I mean, this thing could get pushed out, pushed out, pushed out. I could have missed the selling season because I was selling it in late August, early September, right? That was the time really people shouldn't have been buying, but they were for some reason still. But if I miss that window, then I'm into the spring. And who knows if the market is hot as it was. So I went with the cash buyer, less situations. Now, would you know that the guy who was paying cash after we did an inspection found some issues that he wasn't comfortable with, right? And came back to me and started renegotiating his price. He he came, he wanted me to come down off my price $70,000. Now, I wasn't going to come off $70,000, but also I wasn't willing just to kick him straight to the curb because if I... By kicking into the curb, I got to go back to the marketplace, right? And most likely pick up another buyer who's going to pay with a bank loan, which still is subject to maybe not Approval going through, right? Someone, yeah. Now, had I um, accepted the bank loan person, if I hadn't had a, someone with cash and they would have wanted $70,000 off, I'd be willing to kick them, more, kick them to the curb because I still can go find somebody else in the same situation. So I negotiated with the deal. I didn't give up 70 grand, but I did get them about 40,000 off the purchase price there. And I just think of that. I was like, that guy had me, right? And when he's paying cash, who knows? I, I guarantee you that I've talked to this guy a couple of times. I know he's smart enough that he didn't like literally take USD out of a checking account and pay for it. He had money somewhere that he was going to go back and refinance the deal back out once it was done. You'll get a mortgage on the property later. But he knew that that gave him leverage. That gave him buying power. Wait, and it, wait, wait. And it did. He who has the gold makes the rules. Anybody, anybody talked about that before on yeah. the show? I, there's a, there's some rule about that. <laughs> <laughs> but I just think I've seen it on both sides of the equation. I've seen how opportunities take it. You can take advantage of opportunities, but also how those things can have you on the other side. So if, if that wasn't good, come come into the inner circle and hear the next steps. Let's talk about how this can really benefit us. And let's also answer the questions at hand. Let's talk about your specific situation. If you're riding down the road, remember, you got a chance. Join our inner circle. Go to westwaltwallstreet.com forward slash inner circle. Thanks as always for listening, and we'll see you next week. This has been the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show to break free of the Wall Street mindset and begin building wealth on your own terms in places you understand so that your wealth will never run dry. See you next episode.